Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Hey, good morning. It's Betty McKinney, and I'm back at the office of Rick Bonfin Ministries in Athens after a little over six weeks in Brazil which was a wonderful privilege to be there in the 100-degree weather, 100% humidity, <laughs> unlike here. But it was, it was awesome. So many things are just humming away at the mission. And, you know, Kathy and um, Talita and Felipe and Randall, they just never stop coming up with a greater vision for reaching more people, more children on the hill, just doing more for those who are in such need there around the mission in Brazil. So um, if I haven't said it to you much before, I want to thank you again. Those of you who support the Brazil mission, you're doing a good work, and they are doing a good work with the resources that are being given to them. <coughs> it just keeps on multiplying down there. <laughs> Randall is making bread, and he keeps talking about multiplying, not fishes so much, but loaves, <laughs> because more and more people are coming for bread. They love it, and it's really drawing new people. So praise God. Okay, so this is my first time back in the studio, and they've been, yeah, hallelujah. Um, they've been teaching about um, continuing on in the book of Acts. So we are in Acts 13, which is the account of Barnabas and Paul's first missionary journey. So um, just um, in verse 14, um, marks the place where Barnabas and Paul come to a place called Pisidian Antioch. Is that how you guys are pronouncing it, John? Pisidian Antioch. Um, to a synagogue of the Jews. Pisidia today would be found in eastern Turkey. It's north of Israel and, and to the west of Israel. Um, and I'm telling you, as you read this passage here, Preachers, Bible teachers, this is a good model for a sermon. <laughs> if you want a good model, Paul just begins here in the synagogue of the Jews in Pisidia, Antioch. He begins to summarize all of the Old Testament all the way up to the gospel and the events that happen in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Problem is, um, as was the problem in Paul's first 20 years of ministry, he's preaching to the Jews. <laughs> and we know that's just not going to turn out too well. <laughs> but <clears throat> because Paul's call came to him in Acts 9.15, and the call was very specific, to bear my name before the Gentiles and their kings and to the sons of Israel. And it just never seemed to turn out well for Paul. He would go to the synagogue. He'd go to the Jews first, not to the Gentiles first, as was stated in his call. Finally, in Acts 18.6, we hear Paul say, it says, When he, they had resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I'm going to the Gentiles, <laughs> which God had told him to do in the first place. But... That always encourages me if it took the Apostle Paul 20 years to figure out, to come into alignment with God's call for him, then it's okay if it takes me to figure out, a little time to figure out God's exact call. God has patience with us to, 
to work it out and get in sync with him. Amen? So here in this synagogue of the Jews in Pisidia, Antioch, this model for a sermon, Paul preaches with great authority, and he starts with the Jews being in Egypt for 400 years, then them being in the wilderness 40 years, then Joshua taking Canaan, which took 10 years, which he says was a period of 450 years of God bringing his people into the promised land. Then he recounts the time of the judges, and then Samuel, the first prophet, Saul, the first king, King David, and then he brings it home with the birth of Jesus. Now, as I was looking that over, I thought, how did Paul know all of these things? How was he able to put together this awesome sermon or this message? Well, obviously, Paul knew Jewish history. He was a great scholar. He was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. But the point is, now he has had an encounter with the living God and with the Holy Spirit, and it now all fits together for him. Unlike his unbelieving Jewish brethren who don't understand that all of this was was pointing to the Messiah that would come. All of this was pointing to Jesus and fulfilled in Jesus. Paul, because he's not just a good Jewish, brilliant guy, it fits together. He sees the plan of God in bringing forth the Messiah. And that's his point in this sermon. So not only was he a good scholar, and not only had he had an encounter, Paul had been discipled. He had learned these things from his time spent with Peter and John, from Barnabas, the encourager in his life, and and John Mark, who was in the first part of this missionary journey, from Luke, who had been interviewing, he was a Gentile, a doctor, who had been interviewing everyone so that he could write the account of the Gospel of Luke, and he actually writes these very words that we're reading. He wrote Acts. And I think you've heard me tell you before, when you talk about content or number of words, when you put Luke together and Acts together, Luke wrote the greater part of the New Testament. Did you know that? Even though Paul wrote 14 epistles, in terms of volume, Luke is, um, he wrote the greatest part of the New Testament. So Paul is, um, he's a disciple of these men, of these people. And I, I just see that what he is able to do here is he preaches this wonderful sermon This is the result of good discipleship. The idea of discipleship is that you teach, that you equip, you empower. You release others so that their reach for the gospel and kingdom goes far beyond yours. Paul has been well discipled to be able to take the gospel to places that, say, Peter and John never did, or others who discipled him. Um, Good discipleship raises up good leaders like the Apostle Paul. So we want to see that happening in our fellowships, don't we? We want to not just preach a good sermon. (laughs) We want to disciple others so that they can then go out and go even further than we go. So now we come to verse 24, which is where I'm going to start today. Verses 24 and 25 of Acts 13, and Paul is still speaking in the synagogue of the Jews. And he tells them, after John, he's going to begin talking now about John the Baptist. This is John the Baptist, not the Apostle John. After John had proclaimed 
before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And while John was completing his course, he kept saying, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. But behold, one is coming after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. So Paul is quoting here something he had learned as he'd been discipled. Paul is quoting what John, the the, um, text says, John kept saying, (laughs) John kept emphasizing, what do you suppose I am? I am not he. I am not this Messiah you've been looking for. I am not worthy to untie his sandals. Interestingly, all four Gospels, have this these words of John the Baptist, which is a very rare thing. You might find something in Matthew and in Luke, but not in Mark and John. You might find something in the three synoptic Gospels, but not in the Gospel of John. But all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record these words of John the Baptist, which is a rare occurrence in Scripture, but it's that important that all four of them wrote it down. I'll just read you the one in Matthew 3.11. It's it's repeated in the other Gospels. Matthew 3.11, this is John the Baptist speaking. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. So those are the words of John the Baptist as Paul has gone all the way from Egypt through the rest of Jewish history to the coming of Jesus, John the Baptist clearly announces to Israel who this is. He is the one who will baptize in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Then Paul continues preaching about the Jews' response to John the Baptist's message and their response to his good news of salvation. In verse 26 and 27, Here in Acts 13, Brethren, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, to us the the word of this salvation is sent out. That's, That's not a little thing. Out of all the peoples of the earth, out of all the vast population of the earth, sons of Abraham's family, to to us the Israelites, the Hebrews who God brought out of Egypt and gave judges to and gave prophets to and gave kings to and finally brought forth his son, the Messiah, this salvation word has been given to us first. We received it firsthand. Going on, Paul says, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled these by condemning him. What is Paul saying in the synagogue of the Jews to his brethren? He's saying flat out, clearly, that they rejected the message and the ministry of John about Jesus. And then they did not recognize Jesus amongst them. Even though out of all the peoples of the earth, the message of salvation, the ministry of salvation, that God himself in the flesh came to them first, they did not recognize or receive. And he, he points out 
the very Word of God that they read, their own prophets, every single Sabbath, which in Jewish life, you know, was huge. You lived by the you live by the calendar, you know, you observe the feasts, you went to, to um, yeshiva, you went to synagogue every Sabbath, you read a certain portion of, of the scripture that still goes on in Jewish synagogues today. There is a certain portion that is read every single week. And so they heard it over and over and over through their own prophets. It says the very word of God that they read, their own prophets, every Sabbath they actually fulfilled when they condemned him to crucifixion on a cross. Do you see that in those words? They did not recognize him, and yet they fulfilled what they were reading by condemning him. And this raises the number one question of this study that I'm having with you today that I want to share with you and ask you. Can a chosen people who are exposed to truth every week, even every day, can people who hear the words of the prophets of God read every week deny that truth, become full of deception, become even hateful and violent and full of evil? That has amazing application, I believe, to the events the environment we are living right now, right here today. Would, would you agree? Um, and Paul, he doesn't stop there. He elaborates on exactly how the ones who were the first to hear the message of salvation and eternal life and the Holy Spirit, how they responded. He gives detail of how they rejected this word and what their actions were in verses 28 through 30. I'm still in Acts 13. Verses 28 through 30, Paul is he's on a roll here and he continues. He says, "And though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. And when they had carried out all that was written concerning him, I marked that in my Bible as they carried out all that was written concerning him." Think about that. They'd read their prophets every single week. They would read prophecies about how the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who came to give his life would be cruelly treated, would be hated, despised, rejected, would be sacrificed. And they were faithful to carry that out. (laughs) It just defies... um, I don't have a word. It, It defies not just reason, your, your heart, you know, everything that seems right and good. <clears throat> and when they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb, which was also clearly spelled out by the prophets. But God raised him from the dead. Meaning the Jews very specifically to the letter carried out all that was written concerning him in their unbelief and deception and hatred and evil intentions. They fulfilled the word of God to the tiniest detail through their hatred and evil intentions. Doesn't that kind of blow your mind? What a God we have. He can use even the devil. (laughs) He uses sin 
and evil and the worst crimes ever to fulfill his word and bring forth his kingdom. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. He ta- it's really true what his word says. God causes all things to work together for good, even the really bad stuff. He is working behind the scenes. God is in the storm to bring forth that which he has said he will bring forth, which is his messianic eternal kingdom. Um, I was So as I was just sharing with you about, you know, they, they carried it out to the tiniest detail. Uh, everything that was written concerning him, they carried it out. We could spend an hour or more looking at some of those those words, those prophecies that were read in their synagogues that they carried out, probably the most obvious one, I'm not going to spend an hour because I don't have an hour, but I think I had to pick like the most obvious one we find in Isaiah 53, the whole chapter, but just a few verses of it, Isaiah 53 verses 3 through 5 and then 7 and 8, he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Think about that. We did not recognize him. We didn't see that he was the Son of God. We didn't give him the glory and honor and attention due. We thought of him as a criminal. We thought of him as an enemy. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Who else could that be about except for Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God? Um, In fact, it's so clear that this prophecy is about Jesus that the Jewish rabbis don't allow this, this chapter, Isaiah 53, to be read in the annual rotation. They cut it out and they go from 50 two to fifty four and they, they've cursed this section of scripture because it's so clearly what was actually fulfilled, as Paul said, <clears throat> it was so clearly is Jesus the Son of God, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah. Another um, scripture that was perfectly carried out and fulfilled is found in Psalm twenty two, verses fourteen and eighteen. David wrote this about the Messiah. This is prophecy that is found within a psalm. Psalm 22, verses 14 through 18. I am poured out like water, and all of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look, they sneer, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. (laughs) Could there be any more detail that points clearly 
to how they carried out the very scriptures they studied in their synagogues every week. And there's hundreds more. There's hundreds more. But I don't want to, you know, distract or get off point too much. My question to you again, and I want us to think of ourselves now, not just these these Jews in the synagogue at Pisidia Antioch, but let's think about ourselves as I ask this question. <clears throat> Can a people like us, who are so exposed to truth on a regular basis, deny it? But in their very rejection of it and evil of hearts, actually fulfill it? Obviously, yes. <laughs> Paul is very clear to the Jews in Pisidia Antioch about how they did it. But how about us today? Um, Maybe we're not attending synagogue and reading a a prophet every week, but we pretty much are a people, at least in the United States, who have a Bible in every home. Some of it with this much dust on it, right? Um, If you don't have one in your home, just go to a hotel room. There'll be one in the drawer there. Can we, can a people who have access to, I don't know how many Christian radio stations, Christian TV, um, messages on YouTube, Christian books, and churches on every other block, can a people of today be exactly like them? And obviously my question is rhetorical. We both know the answer, yes. Yes, we can be, and we are. We are. So just as Paul here in Acts chapter 13 expounds upon all of God's faithful works and his chosen leaders such as Joshua, Samuel, David and brings it to the full message, the coming of Jesus and how he was crucified by the Jews according to their own scripture, we're witnessing the very same thing today, aren't we? I've heard people say, and so so have you, maybe we've been once to say it, oh, I wish I could have lived in biblical times. Have you ever said that? Oh, I wish I could have hung out with those guys and lived in biblical times. Well, I have good news for you. You, you got your wish. <laughs> you are living in biblical times. Um, 2021 appears to be somewhere in the ending of what's called the last days. Biblically speaking, um, the last days began with the book of Acts. After Jesus was taken to heaven and the angel spoke to the men who were standing there watching him ascend and said, why are you standing here looking up? This Jesus who is taken from you will return in the same way. But between That time when he was taken up to when he returns is biblically called the last days. So the book of Acts is the beginning of the last days. If 2021 isn't the end of the last days, we're at least 2,000 years closer. (laughs) Um, If it's not the end, we are very close to the end of the last days. And so I ask you, I I ask us, What biblical prophecies are being fulfilled right now? Right now. All you have to do, if if you dare, is turn on the news. All you have to do, if you dare, is turn on a a YouTube 
report of things that are going on in our nation this week. And the majority of people who've had access to hear and to read and understand because the scripture told us these things are going to happen are not being convicted, are not changing their lives because of them. They are not coming to Jesus for salvation because they see the connection. But they are actually helping to fulfill them. Does that make sense? Am I I being clear? So, in one way or the other, we're all helping to fulfill Scripture. (laughs) You can fulfill it because you you are responding to what the Scripture says is going to happen in the last days. And you are letting it, you are letting it convict you. You are letting it make, give you even more zeal for God and for the Son of God and for the Holy Spirit and for the kingdom and decide you're going to live your life because um, there's hardly else, much else to live for. You're going to live your life for Him and you're going to give your all for Him. That, in that way, you are fulfilling Scripture. But if you are refusing it, if you are doubting it, if you are actually carrying out evil acts as the days grow more evil, you're also fulfilling it. Mind-boggling, isn't it? And, oh gosh, we could just look at so many. um, I I didn't put this on the screen there where I can read it, so I'm just going to take a second to reference 2 Timothy 3.1 because that's probably the most obvious one. It says, realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, or we could say fake fake news, (laughs) um, telling all kinds of things about people that has no foundation, without self-control, Brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Need I say more? Matthew 24, Jesus spoke clearly of these days. He told in great detail what is going to happen in the last days. So, what are we to do with this? If we don't want to be like these Jews that Paul is addressing and saying, you help fulfill the very scriptures that said Jesus would be rejected, Jesus would be cruelly treated. We can look at them and say, oh, how could they do that? But we need to look at ourselves and say, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't want to be helping to fulfill what I just read in 2 Timothy 3. Do you? No. So what, what is our safeguard? What is to be our, our state of mind? I'm going to leave that for a Bible teacher that's smarter and greater than I am. But I am going to just give you a couple of, of scriptures to end on. In Luke 21, this is Jesus speaking and encouraging us in these last days. Luke 21, 28 through 31, and then verse 36. But when these things begin to take place, such as the things I just read you in Second Timothy 3, or what you might read in Matthew 24 on the Olivet Discourse, as Jesus gives great detail about what's going to happen just before his coming. When these things begin to take place, straighten up 
and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. That's just the opposite of be bowed down, (laughs) put your head in the sand, (laughs) hide, and shake from fear. It says, straighten up. Jesus says, this is his words to us today in the last days. Straighten up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put forth leaves, you see it and know for yourselves that summer is now near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Keep on the alert at all times, praying in order that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. We need in these days a new revelation of Jesus. We need to be in his word more than ever. We need to allow this word to convict us and break us and change us. We need to respond to it and ask the Lord if I need to stop doing some things or start doing some things. If I need to get some things out of my life or get some things in. Because we may not understand it all, but we know the word of the Lord is being fulfilled. And he will fulfill his purpose. He will finish this story that began in the Old Testament with his people in Egypt right to the everlasting kingdom. So you can help prophecy come to pass one way or the other. (laughs) By being one of the people who refuses the truth and participates in the evil that the word says is coming upon the earth, or by being someone, no matter what your past or where you are today, but someone who decides, maybe starting today, you decide, I'm going to be watchful and alert. I'm going to believe the prophets, and I'm going to believe God's word. And the revelation of God in his son, Jesus, and in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to seek above all other things the kingdom of God. He will be faithful to fulfill his word. And he will do it in you. He'll do it through you. Just ask him to reveal the word, the prophets, the Holy Spirit to you. So that you recognize that the kingdom of God is near And you can take your place and your role in these events by faith to the glory of God. Amen. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow. To every generation, he gives the joy of his salvation. Oh, God's mercy so amazing. As I watch the world around me, I can see his from the seed of Abraham, and led them through the wilderness into the promised land. In boundless love and mercy, he gave his only son, who became the sacrifice for everyone. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. 
The world around me 